Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on today's Word for the Day, we're continuing our introduction to Philippians. And I want to speak a little bit about um, how to interpret Scripture um, as as we kind of set up this letter. So, um, man, I could go really, really into the weeds on this, but I want to I want to kind of talk about a couple key things, and you might find this helpful as you read your Bible yourself. So, um, the Bible is the Word of God, and so we believe it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, as it says in Second Timothy three sixteen, and that means it's all of it is God's Word to us. Yet at the same time, it's written by human beings. The best analogy I know of is the is the incarnation of Jesus, how He's fully God and fully man. So the Bible is fully God and fully human. So this letter to the Philippians is God's word, but it's also Paul writing to a church. And so God, I think, did that because he wants to speak to us in a way we can understand. So he accommodates. And this is actually a theological idea. He accommodates to us so we can we can he can communicate to us. Same principle in Jesus. He becomes human so we can understand God in terms we can grasp, right? So what's God like in human terms? He's like Jesus. He goes way beyond what we see in Jesus, but but there's mystery and incomprehension and things we can't figure out and never know about God that go beyond our ability. But the enough we need to have a relationship is revealed in Jesus, same in the scriptures. But they have to be interpreted. And parts of them, and I think probably the, 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 the most basic things, the gospel and how we're called to live, Pretty much anyone can read the Bible and get that, but there's complicated parts, and we don't always agree how to interpret them. Um, but how do you interpret the Bible? What are some principles around that? Well, one of the first principles, and this may sound almost like sacrilegious, but it's important to know that we we read the Bible like we do any other book, right? It it's it's fully human, and God did it on purpose so that we could actually read it in a way that we normally read. So one of the principles of when you read any book is you have to do business with the author. So if I read a book by Mark Twain, you know, it's a story and you can draw all kinds of insights out of it and it has implications, but the book is going to mean what the author meant it to mean. That's, that's just a principle, right? If I say something to you out loud, um, you might not understand it. You don't go get a dictionary. You would say, what do you mean by that? Because I chose a certain set of words and I have a certain meaning in that. So that's just a basic principle of communication. And the same thing works in the Bible. So, for example, from reading Philippians, to, to get at what's going on, I want to ask the question, so what, what's Paul mean by this? What's he trying to say here? Now, he's not here present, so I can't ask him. So I can only deal with what he puts in the text. And I want to always be careful not to read into the text, talk about that in a minute. Um, but I just want to have a posture. Like I'm trying to get what he's trying to say first to the Philippians and then build a bridge to see how it applies to us. And most people would agree that you can never get that done perfectly. And there's going to be places that, you know, you won't, you won't be clear what he means. But that is the right posture to get us closer and closer to the to the the one meaning of the text. So that's really important as we're reading the Bible to always remember that. That's all these tools we use, all these processes, 
all these analytical approaches. They're really all about that. Um, doing business with the author, making sure you're trying to hear what the author is trying to say. And by the way, you don't have to know who the author is to do this. Every text has an author. So you're not, you're not sitting there trying to imagine what Paul meant or pretend to read Paul's mind. You know, you're just looking at the text and go, these are the words that put together. How, what's the case this author is trying to make? And it applies to any book in the Bible. Okay, that's number one to know. Number two to know is the Bible has different genres. It's a library of 60 plus books. And so there's like historical narrative. There's poetry. There are epistles. There's what's called apocalyptic. That's the book of Revelation and some of Daniel. It's a very certain kind of genre. And just like in your, your literature classes that you took, you'd read different genres differently. You read a novel differently than you do a textbook. Or you read a novel differently than you do a manual for how to run a computer. They're both books. They both have authors. They both have meaning. But the meaning is shaped by the genre, right? So, for example, in the Bible, there's poetry. And in the Psalms, it'll say things like, the right hand of the Lord saved me. Well, does that mean the Bible just said God has hands? No. The Bible did not say God has hands. Why? Because that's poetry. Poetry is always um, creative, expressive, metaphorical. It's a metaphor for God's power and strength, but it creates an image that we can hang on to. That's how poetry works. And most people, when they read the Psalms, get that. But sometimes people forget these things when they read the Bible and come up with really goofy ideas. Okay? So Philippians is an epistle, so we understand that it's an epistle, and it's written to a group, and it's meant to be applied by that group as the group, and we seek to read it and apply it in that same way. Epistles are pretty straightforward, so we know that the things being written are meant to be taken in a pretty straightforward manner. So there's doing business with the author, paying attention to genre, and then there's um, context. So you always read everything in context. You don't take it out of context. And one of, the, one of the worst things that happens often in biblical interpretation is people take stuff out of context. Let me give you an example from Philippians. In Philippians 4.13, Paul writes, I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. What a cool promise. I can do all things. I'm empowered by God to do all things if I do it in Jesus. Isn't that what that's saying? No, that's not what it's saying. Because here's the context, verse 10, Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He's talking about a gift of money he, the, the, the church sent to him in prison. He talks about this earlier. In verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So, I've learned, no matter whether things are good or bad, to be content. He amplifies that. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. In, in, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's talking about is I can be content before the Lord in whatever circumstance I'm in, because Christ strengthens me to be content. That's what the text means in context. If you take that verse out of context, 
you know, it's almost like, well, I get to be Superman if I love Jesus. That's not what it's saying. It's talking about the issue of contentment and how through Christ, if I have him, I can learn to live in a way that's content, even if I don't have everything I want or if I have everything I want. Okay, so I hope that's a helpful example. Hope that's clear. So you always read in context, which means, you know, a word is in a sentence, a sentence is in a paragraph, paragraph is in a section, and a section is in a whole book. And then a whole book is in a testament, and the testament's in the whole Bible. So Philippians 4.13 has particular words, and they make up a sentence. Then that sentence sets in a context. Then that's in a larger context of the whole letter. But what's the whole letter? Paul's in prison. He's suffering. And he's trying to encourage the Philippians. He's saying, don't be discouraged by me. I'm walking with Jesus. and He's enabling me to be content and at peace with my circumstances because I know him. Well, then Philippians is in the New Testament context. It's all centered on Jesus Christ and centered on life in the New Covenant. But it's also part of the whole Bible. So it's in the context of the whole biblical story and God's purposes unfolded all through the Bible. And all that stuff is the context in which we read the Bible. That's why sometimes when I preach, I might be on a little text and I'll back up and talk about the whole biblical story because that text fits in that larger context. I hope you're tracking with this. I've taken whole semester courses on this stuff, so I'm just, just barely touching on it. But I say all that to say, as we move through Philippians together on Sundays, we're going to try to get a grasp on what St. Paul means as he writes to the Philippian church, because as we read his mail to that church, it also becomes the Holy Spirit's mail to us. And then we learn how to understand what's going on and then get wisdom on how to apply it into our lives. That's, that's the task of reading the scriptures well. Okay, this has gone long enough, so I'm going to sign off for today. And uh, I'll have one more episode on sort of backdrop, and then we'll talk about Philippians 2, 5 through 11 on the second last two episodes this week. Okay, God bless and have a great day.